Hey, this is Harry, and you're listening to Lit Podcast, a show where we speak with New York City event hosts and their stories. This week, I'm speaking with Ben and Kira from EGD Collective. Welcome. Hey, it's nice to meet you. I'm Ben Rubin. I'm the CFO for the EGD Collective. Hi, my name's Kira, and I'm the CEO of the EGD Collective. All right, cool. So, Kira, could you please tell me more about the backstory of EGD Collective? So we originally started as a college club at Hunter uh, that was focused purely on game design. Uh, I originally wanted to start a game design club and the school said no because it was too similar to the Fighting Games Association. I found out that the League of Legends club and the Dungeons and Dragons club and other clubs were also denied for the same reason, so we decided to merge together. But the school still said no. So we decided to run anyways, thanks to the theater department taking us in, and we were able to run that way for about two years. Once the school decided to uh, recognize us and charter us, um, not much had changed, but we had over 800 members at that point. And we realized that the school couldn't really support us in the ways that we needed to, and so that's when we decided to turn into a nonprofit organization. Um, But our mission really started to change when Uh, I started working with students and we realized just how many roadblocks there were to students being able to graduate um, and how many students didn't know what they wanted to do with their lives. And by working with the students and talking to other schools, we figured out that this was not only happening here, but across public schools across the U.S. Um, And I think the statistic is 54 and a half percent of public students, school students, public school students are um, either housing insecure, food insecure, or homeless. So that's that's really what we do now is just um, helping students figure out what they want to do with their lives, helping them break into the games industry, and just making it an overall better place to be. Uh, it's also a matter of we make sure that like they have all the resources available to them and they for the resources that they don't know about, which is like 61% of CUNY students don't know what resources to look for or where to find any of the resources they need. We make sure that they know where they can find everything. Okay. What is, so EGD Collective, what, what does that sound stand for? Esports and Game Design Collective. We originally started as right. a game design collective, and when we merged, we took on the esports. And when we turned into a nonprofit, we shortened it for for convenience. Yeah, for convenience. yeah, it made it a lot easier, honestly, on us. Because our our uh, college administration was like, "Yeah, you have to write out your name on every single form, every single time." So you're just writing out esports and game design collective on forms where they never expected the names to be this long, so it just does not fit, mm-hmm. and they would not let us abbreviate it no matter what. That's a good move. So what is, could you tell me more about like, what does your typical event look like? Like what is, what's the appeal here? Who should go to your event? Um, everyone. So we, we pride ourselves on being a space where everyone can come regardless of who they are, or how they relate to games or the industry. So whether you want to play Candy Crush on your phone in the corner or you're really hardcore into esports or maybe you're creative that doesn't really play games but wants to build a portfolio and games is a great way to do it. Uh, everyone can come together in the same space and do just that. Um, and our events reflect that. 
we usually have about three things going on at the same time in the same place. One thing for game design, one thing for esports, and one for more casual gaming. And if nobody wants to participate in the three things that are happening that day, we also have a game library of around 600 games, board games, card games, video games, Tamagotchis, Twister, you name it, that people can just borrow and use in the space. Um, and so what happens is that a lot of people will come in for one thing and they'll come out doing 50 other things. We'll have people come in because they want to be on the League of Legends team and they come out wanting to become a game designer. And you see it all the time. And it's really, really it's a really cool thing, in my opinion. I think we've had at least, uh, in the last two semesters, we've had at least like 20 students alone at Hunter be like, they came in for esports programs and then they, want, then they just came out as the game designers like an indie developers out of nowhere. Like it, it's nothing like they expect in any way, shape or form. And they come out after the sem- after the two, their two semesters end for the year. And they're just like, Oh, I'm a game designer now. That's new. I guess this is fun though. So it's okay. So who, who who's like your typical attendee? So you're, it sounds like maybe they're comp sign they're coming out and they're tr- choosing to change their major to game design or. So a, a lot of our, a lot of our attendees are usually collegiate members. Uh, it just in general, like we have a lot of people, English majors, uh, theater majors, a lot of it is comp sci, but like uh, they mostly come from any majors. Like it's more people interested in games because mm-hmm. we do, because of our casual events, our, our more competitive events and then our design events. So we, we try to gather as many people as possible from every major, like, especially like considering uh, game design is composed of like narrative, audio, and then like narrative, audio, animation, and then creative and then um coding so like we try we gather as many people we gather like uh, pretty much any collegiate student we can get and a lot of them a lot of them come out like game, game designers like i mentioned earlier my favorite story is we had one student who's a freshman this year and joined our game design fellowship program but he was a nursing major and after about four weeks in the program he's like i'm switching my major i'm going to game design <laughs> so it was a complete 180 from nursing you know what i mean and so yeah, especially <laughs> considering our school is known for nursing so like that's not a change i expected at all but it, it was it was a really cool change to see honestly because like uh people can discover their passion in a lot of our events like if they've ever thought about it like a lot of pe- a lot of people who play games are like yeah i've thought about becoming a game designer they thought about it at least once or twice but it sounds un- unattainable and then like if you come to our events you realize oh wow this is actually a career that I can pursue. This is something I can do with the future in the future. It's not uh, completely unrealistic. And, and at the same of- time of that, at the same time, just to bounce off what Ben just said, um, a lot of students, especially in CUNY, didn't even think they would be going to college to begin with. And so a lot of them haven't thought about what they wanted to do with their lives. And so they'll either just pick a random major and hope for the best, or they'll be undeclared for three years and spend extra time in school and paying extra money. I, I was one of those people before before I joined the club. Um, that they may or may not have. <laughs> You're breaking up. <laughs> a little no, bit. No, she, she's just talking about the opportunities. So, like, people don't know these opportunities exist. Okay. And so, like, did you... I was going to make a joke about civil engineers, but I don't know if that's uh, something at Hunter. We don't you have know, engineering, like, actually. Uh, yeah, I don't. I don't. I don't think so. No. At, when I when I was an undergrad, we had a joke. We had a running joke about uh, the civil engineers are not real engineers because it's like the it's like the liberal arts of engineering. 
But anyway, <laughs> um, tell me more about this event. So you had this uh, this event recently called Waffle Games. What was that all about? So for Waffle Games, this is a big event. Uh, we we do this. Uh, it's an annual event for the EGD Collective, and we generally bring in uh, we bring in game developers, we bring in keynote speakers, and then we who are usually either uh, industry professionals, esports players, or that type of thing, and we we let them exhibit um, for very for like basic for free and a lot of uh a lot of the events in new york city don't do this and we also let uh students who are developers show off what what they've been working on while they're in school so for example we have our game studio program where we have students who they join a program we we hook them up with those students and they they become like a small studio while they're in school and waffle games is an opportunity for them to to break into the industry and show off what they're what they've been doing throughout the year and like what projects they've been working on, but also you have a lot of indie developers from around the city just coming in to show off the work that they've been, like the games, the, the passion, the passion project they've been working on for the last like few years. And it's hard for them to do it otherwise. Basically Waffle Games is almost like a mini PAX East, but free and based in Hunter College. Um, yeah. And so there's an exhibit hall, there's tournaments, there's workshops, there's talks, all that good stuff, and it's all free. And the idea is that um, not only because most events like this aren't free, um, and for a lot of indie developers, which is most of New York City, we don't have a lot of AAA studios here, um, they can't afford the $1,000 that is usually at the low end to exhibit at these kinds of conventions. Um, and students definitely can't afford that. And so it's about it's about a wider mission of bringing accessibility to games, but at the same time, it's a very collaborative environment. Regardless of people's skill level, you can come in, show off your work, learn from each other, um, and it's just an overall like positive environment and space to be in. Mm -hmm. I forgot to ask this earlier, but so. Do you have to be a student to attend any of the EGD collective events? That you do not. used to be the case. That used to be the case, but thankfully now we've opened up to the public as much as we possibly can. So we like uh, Waffle Games 3.0 was complete it was online because of recent situation with COVID. COVID. But yeah. But uh, it's been we've had people from all over the world come come to Waffle Games 3.0. Was that surprising that people, so like, what did you expect when you first went virtual? Cause I'd love to talk about that. I love talking about how events might've had a, a physical component and how they're adapting to virtual events. For me, for, okay. um, like when, when we first saw the warning signs that school was going to close and that events were going to be canceled, I had it in the back of my mind that we were going to turn it virtual and just start preparing for that because I, we, we had already started planning this thing for about three months out prior, and it was actually only two weeks away when Hunter and CUNY shut down. Um, and we... I didn't want everyone's hard work to go to waste, but at the same time, I knew just how important it was to continue having events in a time like this. And I thought there was really no better, no better way to continue um, supporting people 
by continuing to have the events that we were going to have um, and providing that platform. And by bringing it online, it did allow us to reach people that were outside of our network. Um, and part of accessibility is being able to reach people out of your network. And so um, I'm not sure how, how, what this will mean for future Waffle Games, but because we do really value that in-person um, experience because it's completely different but um there's definitely a lot of things that we can do now after um i think you you dropped out for a second there but... i stopped but <laughs> <laughs> it's fine Let's see. No, I, th I think everyone's sadly having those issues because of because everyone's home now. But yeah, like we value the in-person experience, but uh, a lot of these online events have also taught us a lot about um, engaging more people online and how important it is that we're likely going forward. We're likely going to have a mix of the two, but so our major events would likely still be in-person events in New York City, and then we would also have more online events that would like be meant for people from across the U.S. Yeah, I mean, I'm curious about because like this is this is something that's a lot of of event series or organizations are going through right now. And I'm just curious about like how do you how do you maybe move forward, right? So there are advantages to being being fully virtual, right? So if if you think about like companies and remote being remote hires. There used to be a lot of apprehension because, oh, we, there's this thought that, oh, we need everybody to be in the same office building so they can collaborate more effectively because the, the, the video conferencing stuff just doesn't work well for, for us. But then a lot of companies and, and events are going virtual and there are other, another set of advantages to that. So you can, you suddenly, your, your market is the entire world or anybody that has internet. And I'm one, so there's advantages to that. You have a much wider reach. So I'm just curious about how people are thinking about maybe what's going to happen after, afterwards when you don't have to be virtual. Like, do you, are organizations going to be virtual and physical or what's going to happen there? Interestingly enough, gaming has always been the opposite, and that's why I find it so important for us to hold in-person events to show that we, like, how important it is to get together in person. Um, but gaming is one of the things that you can do online, and that's why it's esports and things like this are one of the few things standing during COVID. Um, I'm not sure what this means for Waffle Games because I, a part of accessibility is being able to reach people that can't attend in person. So maybe it'll mean a hybrid event, but we definitely want to still have that in-person experience because it is very important, especially in gaming, which is seen as an anti-social activity, even though it's really not. That's an interesting thought. So, so your, your event series is probably coming, has, has maybe like a different... I want to say prejudice or like a different like stigma, which is like, okay, gamers uh, can actually operate fairly virtually for a long, long time. Part of, is it fair to say that part of your motivation for creating this event series is, is that no, we, we need to meet in person. Was that the, was that the appeal? 
That's definitely that's definitely part yeah, of it. Yeah, definitely part of the appeal. <laughs> cool. This uh, how was the virtual graduation? What was that? So that was my pet project that I took on for the past two weeks, um, and it was similar to how we wanted to keep waffle games online alive a lot of schools were shutting down their graduation ceremonies or they're postponing them or not having them at all and as a part of our expansion we're we're working to support schools that are outside of new york city and i thought this would be a great way to begin to do that virtually uh it was to hold a graduation ceremony for gamers game designers and esports uh students that are about to go into an industry that is known for being extremely unstable at a very unstable time in general. And I couldn't really think of a worse way to send people off into the wider world than, oh God, our industry is not in a great place and the world's not in a great place. And I just graduated in a pandemic, what do I do? And so we, brought together a whole bunch of industry professionals to give keynote and commencement speeches. We had students submit their names, their majors, and their schools, and we had them uh, and photos from their time in collegiate and have them go across the screen. Um, and we gave out um, some awards and um, there was an after party online where people could get together, play games, talk and network. And it was open to college students that were graduating everywhere. So we had students from Canada submitting their information um, and other countries. And it was just a really cool thing that was streamed on Twitch for about 40 minutes. And then everyone got together to play games afterwards. Um, and uh, I, Okay. Oh, um, I saw I saw in the chat room on the side that people were getting really into it, um, and they're just like, "Oh my God, I'm gonna cry! This is so great! This is beautiful!" I'm not. And then some people that weren't even graduating, they're just watching. They're just like, "Oh my God, this is so cool!" Um, and so I think it's really the testament to what people can do when they, you know, when they team up and get together. And we worked with another organization that just was founded um, called Intercollegiate Game Network. And it was the response of college esports leaders um, when their events were getting shut down to COVID to come together and create an online uh, event for themselves. Um, and so uh, we, we teamed up to do that. The... So you gonna are you ever gonna host like another online graduation? I don't know if we'll host another online graduation. If I'm being honest, I think this was a one time one time thing just because of the way COVID was. Uh, it would be nice to do something similar in the future, but uh, it might be a different. It might be a, a similar style of event or stream, but it would be pro it would probably have a different theme or topic. Yeah, I don't think it would really be needed after COVID because mm -hmm. everyone would have their own graduation ceremonies again. Yeah, but I, I definitely think, like, as a celebration of, like, uh, like for instance, like, um, if we made a celebration about the indie developers that, that, that did come from these, like, uh, public institutions, like, that might be interesting. But, like, there's no, like, official plans to do anything in the future just yet in terms of the future, in terms of future graduations. Okay. Well, fingers crossed. But if uh, the pessimist in me is, like, well, if we have to. I guess it would happen again, <laughs> but fingers crossed. Hopefully it doesn't, we, it's not necessary. And it's just a one-time thing. I'm curious about like what, how do you sort of, cause, cause you all can create your own 
software, if you will, right? So you can create your own games. What what sort of tools do you use for your for your events? What do you how do you typically organize this stuff? Discord. Um, Discord. Discord. Gamers. Google. So we use Discord. <laughs> Discord and Google Suite. Those those are the two best friends of anyone anyone you know uh, that wants to organize these type of events. Like you don't even really need Google Suite. You can just use Google, shared Google Drive with people. Like, but uh, start like we were kind. Of, it was basically grassroots because we didn't really get much support from our college. We didn't really have any money of our own because we we're all in college. So a lot of a lot of this came from us using free tools to organize everything and uh, just having the help of the people around us who were who wanted to volunteer and who wanted to be a part of this event and help out. So yeah, Discord is completely free. Google's uh, Google's entire thing is completely free. Those are like the two best event organiza- organization tools you can use if you want things for free. We also started using things like HubSpot for like CRM management, tracking yeah. emails, all that kind of thing. So, um, the, I'm sorry, the, <laughs> the CRM management. So who are your customers, if you don't mind? So um, we actually, we use it kind of untraditionally. Um, we used it specifically just to track um, emails that we send to potential sponsors, speakers, exhibitors, those kinds of things. Um, so then we can keep a log of who's contacting um, each individual. And if like, you know, like who just kind of the streamline that process to make sure people aren't double emailing the same people. Um, and just have a better record of our communications with them. So we don't usually, we don't really treat it like a sales um, platform as what it's intended to use. It's really just, um, just that. That's actually really interesting. I did not know that HubSpot, like I heard of it, but I didn't know it was a CRM and I didn't know you could use it in more untraditional ways. So I'll definitely take a look at that for my personal projects. The... Tell me more about like, okay, so why are you choosing to make it a nonprofit? Like, could you walk me through that decision-making? So you're running an event series. What, what compels you to say, Hey, we should be a nonprofit or not. And then what's, what, what are you struggling with there? Is it easy? Is it hard? So grants was the thing that was most driving us to incorporate as a nonprofit over a normal corporation Uh, because we're such an interdisciplinary thing. Uh, we cover education, we cover the arts, we cover STEM, we cover um, like class-based things, diversity, uh, we can qualify for a lot of different grants and programs. And that's what we, we want to, um, we have a very social mission at the core of everything. Um, and so to qualify for those things is very important. Um, at the same time, um, like just like be since our mission is a social one, just the idea of being a nonprofit seems a lot more fitting. And most people don't realize, but the difference between a nonprofit and a normal corporation is very small in the grammar of things. It's mostly a tax designation. You can still make a profit. You just can't have shareholders or anything like that. You can pay employees. You can hire people. You can sell things. Just all of the money has to go back into the organization itself and it can't be used you know, for other purposes and your money raising activities uh, needs to be aligned with the mission that is stated on your tax documents. Did you, did you, did you already mention what the mission statement is for EGD collective? So our, 
our little elevator pitch is that we are a nonprofit organization that supports games industry accessibility um, through higher education, um, public higher education. Um, so all of our uh, activities are free or very, very low cost if we cannot make them free. Um, and it's really all about accessibility in all of its forms. So whether it's whether it's money, whether it's uh, feeling alienated or discriminated against, whether it's working conditions, uh, all of those things are covered in what we try to combat. The public, I'm just trying to key in onto this term, public higher education, is that, is that what makes it, okay, I, I can be an adult and I'm just curious about game design and I can attend one of your events? Is that what that yeah, term this- means? Well, that's definitely a part of it. So the reason why we're tacking public higher education is because um, it's, since it's a lot cheaper than private schools by a lot, it's a lot easier for people to afford to go get a degree or to go take classes there. Whereas a lot of game development programs are currently in either private universities that have $50,000 a semester tuition, or they're these private boot camp style things that may cost $2,000, $3,000 for an eight week course to teach you unity. Um, and that's not affordable for people. But if you can go to your local community college and just learn game design, that opens up a lot of doors and you don't have to be any certain age to go um, to those kinds of institutions. And so that's really the whole reason why that's our focus point. Um, it's just the easiest way for us to further our mission. It's also a matter of like private institutions already do the ones that the ones that do exist. If you can afford to go to a private institution, you can afford to pick one that has the infrastructure you need for these kind of game design things. But a lot of the a lot of like the CUNYs, for instance, like they just don't have the infrastructure for these type of these type of courses. And like uh, we're there to help facilitate that. Yeah, I'm just curious as someone that's I haven't been to one of your events. I'm just curious, like. Do I need to be a CUNY student in order to attend one of these EGD collective events? You do not. So um, even though I've graduated and the nonprofit is separate from the Hunter College Club, we still work very closely with them. And they're, they're our first chapter of EGD. Um, and we're expanding to get these programs into all 18 of the CUNY undergraduate colleges. Um, you are allowed to attend events on campus as long as you register them with public safety so the public can attend every single event that we host inside the school building um yeah it's just a matter of signing up in advance for most of those events okay and i'm just curious because like i run my own events and there's like an entire so now that you said that it's open to the public that comes with like another a complete completely other set of issues um, when you're running the in um, the real life events, did you ever run into odd odd characters showing up to the events that maybe yes. <laughs> like could you? What do you do when that happens? Like, what was the issue? So we're best friends with public safety. Um, they love us because we're really good at handling these issues and knowing when to report things, when to talk to them, all that kind of thing. And so. Um, we, we work, we work really closely with them to ensure that doesn't happen, but when it does, um, they're really quick to respond. And so that's also one of the benefits of being attached to collegiate is that 
we don't have to pay for our own safety, <laughs> um, like in security uh, things. We can the the, the school um, will provide through you know um, the appropriate channels to do that. Um, and at least at Hunter, public safety security for outsiders is really tight. You have to be on that list or you don't get in. Um, and so it is very hard. Um, to like sneak into an event but people have done it <laughs> and our second waffle games when it was only open to cuny students uh people did do that we had students from like fit and new school and nyu trying to sneak in and that's what keyed into us that we should probably open up the event because it was it was really much needed um but at the same time uh it also opened our eyes to um what that meant for security reasons um but when we plan our events, we go through very, very, like, in-depth training with our officers and staff to handle, like, um, crisis issues. Um, and that's also a big thing with the whole mission of our organization is um, with students. A lot of the students go through many different types of crises during their college career, and including um, handling, like, you know, just event odd characters that show up and... Um, it's very important that we train the the student officers of these organizations to be able to know how to handle that and when it's appropriate to hand it off to somebody that is qualified or trained to handle those kinds of situations when they should take a step back. Yeah, it's just the the reason I bring it up and I, I come I'm, it's this is an appealing topic to me is because I, I have run into these. Uh, a few issues when actually it just comes with the territory. So you're, if you if you really are running a real event. And a lot of people have never done this, so they don't realize all of the issues involved in running a real event. And I think a lot of it boils down to having, uh, being able to read the room and being, a, being able to like speak up if, if just something, this is something that's not conducive to, to kind of like the event you're trying to curate. Because at the end of the day, you're the host. A lot of people are looking for, um, to you for leadership as to, what are we doing here? Why are we here? How does this go? So I just, I think it just comes with the territory. And if you're not, if you're not ready to do that and provide that sort of, this is direction, maybe running an event is not, is not for you. I think it, it requires a certain level, a certain, certain personality. And not everybody has that personality. It's, it's tough. Sometimes when, when, when a hard decision needs to be made, uh, someone's got to do it. <laughs> yeah, I definitely agree. Like a lot of a lot of events are literally just, oh, hey, um, yeah, that that like you want the people who attend to think it's fine, but there's no way you're gonna avoid most of the problems that happen. Like some of them are just unavoidable. Like it was for, there wasn't enough foresight. Like some something unexpected came up. Like there's always something that creates a problem at the event. But at the end of the day, it's important that you focus on what the attendees think about the event by the end of the day. So a lot of them, like there can be a lot of issues. We've definitely had our fair share of issues in our in-person events. But at the end of the day, as long as the attendee was like, wow, that was actually amazing. That like, I had no issues with that. Like the, <laughs> like, cause they don't know. Like uh, we work hard. To, like you have to work really hard to make sure that like your attendees don't know what happened. Or so like you have to be very proactive about like um, nipping those things in the bud as quickly as possible. Yeah. You can uh, you can plan as much as you want, but there you can never plan enough, and something will always go wrong. 
Like Always. the event will be on fire halfway through. And I I think really the 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 key on whether or not we've done our job is if nobody noticed that it was on fire <laughs> during the event. Um, if the attendees all came away with this was really cool, they didn't notice that there was chaos going on in the background, then we've done our job. Because there's no way to prevent all of the chaos. There's always going to be something, uh, mm. no matter how thorough we are with all of our plans and the uh, uh, scenarios A, B, C, and D. <laughs> well, cool. So it sounds like you are all getting good feedback and i know that i know from my events my personal experience that's 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 what makes it all worth it when people go to you after the event they're like hey man i loved it good job and that's why i do it could you maybe talk about your egd collective summer series and some upcoming events for for our listeners or like what's in the pipeline So the EGD, uh, the EGD Summer Series is going to be a bunch of events we're hosting I, with AVGL, I believe. And uh, we'll be hosting it for games like Valorant, Overwatch, League of Legends, Teamfight Tactics, and CSGO. Um, there's more in the pipeline for the time being uh, because not all the details are finalized just yet. But these are going to be all completely free events, and they'll be weekly. Uh, like, if you, like the, they'll be hosted in our, in our Discord server. So a lot of these are just completely free events with, like, with with free, with prizing as well, and like they're all completely open to the public. In addition to the tournaments, um, we'll also be hosting AMAs and talks with professionals, so people will be able to come in, and uh, we'll have like a game developer or someone that works in esports, and students and anybody that wants to so not just students um can come in and just ask them anything or they'll be hosting a workshop style kind of talk where they can get a little more in-depth on a certain subject um and it really all comes back to um the reasons why we exist and um being able to provide free education and gaming and like events for people everywhere well cool I'm glad I'm glad that there's people like yourselves working on on good missions like that. So for our listeners that want to maybe reach out to you, where can they do that and where can they register for your next events? Where can they get in touch with you? So our website is egdcollective.org and you can email us anytime at info at egdcollective.org and our social handles are just egdcollective on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Our Discord link is just egdc if you know how to use Discord. If you don't, uh, you can go to discord.gg and it'll tell you how to do that. All right, cool. Well, if, if that's all, any last minute thoughts before we end the call? Oh, I just want to say th- thank you. This is a really nice opportunity, and honestly, I think um, the more people we can, the more people we can get to these events, the more people that um, that can learn, like, can learn a lot more about the game games industry and like how they can get into it as well. Yeah, thank you so much for having us. No, thank you. Thanks for being on the show, and I look forward to hearing more about your your event series in the future. Bye. Bye. Bye.